Hello everyone there in the audio soundscape. You're listening to another beautiful, wonderful episode of That Sounds Made Up. That Sounds Made Up! I'm your host, Casey Ellis, here with my luminous co-host, Matt Keeley. Matt, now I have to ask, how do you feel being in such an enlightened, progressive state where they would allow you to have legalized marijuana? I am hailing from the lovely state of Illinois, and quite frankly, it's not too bad. I could talk to you about my experience, if you like. <laughs> well, it's just interesting because just a short hop skipping away, I'm in northwest Indiana, and they could not be any less accommodating for recreational marijuana than Indiana. Nope. They're going to be the last state to do that, if they ever do. And it is hilarious because it is sandwiched by two states that are being much more cool about it. Mm-hmm. Like, even when Michigan is being more progressive than you are, you're being a dick. Right. Like, Indiana's most progressive piece of legislation they put out was allowing alcohol purchases on Sunday several years ago. Yeah, whenever not that long ago we were still getting rid of bits of prohibition, that's that's a fun place to be. So Home state I'd... of Mike Pence. Guess what the topic is for this episode, Matt? Is it about Indiana legal history? Somewhat. It's actually much more weird than that. Oh, goody. So I have a couple of terms that I would like to define for you to give you, let's say, to, to clear the smoke and give you clarity. I'm so high right now. On anticipation! The first one being feral. In a wild or untamed state. That's feral. Ah, yes, like feral pigs. But did you know that that term is also applicable to plant life? Oh, really? The second term I have is cannabis. Medicinal, recreational, and fiber plants belonging to the hemp family. I'm a fan. I'm going to start this story off with something that actually happened to me today. That sent me down this rabbit hole and made me have to research a topic. Oh my god. Okay. So I work for the Department of Natural Resources Law Enforcement Division in Northwest Indiana. And I got a call from a hunter that was hunting on one of the public fish and wildlife areas. And he just wanted to give me a heads up that he came across an unsupervised field of marijuana. Oh, damn. That's, that, that's the word he used within this public fish and wildlife area. I then thought, well, that's fascinating. And I went and talked to the sergeant that was working at the uh, the office today. And he said, where'd that come from? Newton County or something? Oh, it's everywhere. <laughs> and he said, was it in a ditch? Because that's just ditch weed. And I had never heard the term ditch weed before. Yeah, same. I've heard dick weed. But this was not that. So, I went down a rabbit hole, and here we go, Matt. Since the early 1940s, thickets of wild marijuana have sprung up each year throughout uh, northwestern Indiana. A remnant 
of World War II era industrial hemp fields that were sewn to support the war effort by furnishing raw material for parachute cords and other industrial rope. Today, the remnants of this project are called ditchweed or feral marijuana. Oh my gosh. Have you heard of this? No. This blew blew my fucking mind. This is is such a well-kept secret. So, the most hard-assed pot regulation state in the Union had the government plant pot to fight the Nazis. I mean, it makes sense why they would want to, because cannabis aside, um, the actual hemp plant is incredibly rugged, easy to grow, and has so many purposes outside of getting high. Yep, and so I think it's hilarious that we have this free-growing patriot pot. That's what I'm calling it. (laughs) That is a wonderful rebranding if we ever want to get it legalized in that state. So, the government designated about 75,000 acres in Indiana to grow hemp. Now... (laughs) Most of the lingering wild plants can be found in the region north of Lafayette and west of South Bend, according to uh, the South Bend Tribune archives. So, (laughs) 75,000 acres were designated to grow hemp. That's like on the level of corn. It's like, uh, imagine a bunch of farmers like, well, the hemp crop's coming in real good. How's the soybeans? I'm too fucking high for this. (laughs) I would go to the farmer's market, but I can't feel my toes. You're supposed to feel your toes? I don't know. Probably helps. I mean, being on a tractor all day with nothing but dirt to look at. I'm just imagining there's like these farmers in the early 1940s just blazed out of their minds. Be like, say Cecil, do you ever think if God knows he's God? just little tiny specks on a larger piece of dirt within a piece of dirt floating in space. At least we're using this to fight Hitler. (laughs) Yeah, that's... Oh, that is American history that you're not taught in grade school. I would be so much more interested in local history if they would tell the interesting things. Yeah. But no, we gotta be all pure and... Mike Pence. And I gotta, I gotta learn about the history of the fucking banjo or something. <laughs> so, quote, I know that three train car loads of hemp seed were brought to Newton and Jasper counties and introduced to the wild, said Chris Nochell, former director of Newton County Marijuana Eradication Program. Yeah, I don't like this guy. There were three train car loads of hemp to cultivate for the war effort. Oh my god. That's rad as hell. You can fill like a little tiny strip mall with all that. He continues, The government figured this area had the right kind of soil and climate to grow hemp, and they were right. However, the hemp that was produced didn't make very good rope, and eventually the government abandoned the process, but the hemp stayed around. As it does. So- <laughs> So what I love is they uh, in school they tell you like yeah if you if you 
if, if you smoke any any bit of grass, then you're going to make all these horrible life decisions. However, the government in- itself didn't think about introducing an invasive species. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Newton County, uh, in northwest Indiana, gained national attention in the 1970s and 80s as several high-profile magazines and newspapers did articles chronicling... Okay, I love that they put high and chronic in this sentence without it being ironic. Ayo! The large amount of marijuana that grows in the wild. Magazines like Rolling Stone and High Times and newspapers from Chicago to San Francisco were some of just the few that featured the Newton County marijuana. And I still haven't heard of this. Mm-mm. I mean, talk about, like, a homegrown agricultural product. That, that, whatever your politics are, whatever you believe about the dangers of marijuana, this is really fucking fascinating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, there were maps of choice locations that were printed in underground newspapers showing where the fields were, and red bandanas were left behind on highway marker posts as a sign for new arrivals that that's where it was. So people were were, were working out an underground system of, uh, of like, triangulating where to find the, the feral plants. Yeah, it's like an underground railroad of where they're going to get you high. And people say that potheads are unindustrious people. Mm-mm. Sometimes the most creative solutions come from trying to hide stuff. Absolutely. It's like, these people came up with their own, like, lexicon, and <laughs> I, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed by that. I mean, all you gotta do is look at uh, a tie-dye shirt of the rolling... Uh, nope, of the Walking Dead. Nope, of the Grateful Dead. There it is. Ooh, <laughs> that was a long walk. Oh, I'm not even high. This is going to be hard. <laughs> My point was, you look at something like that, and it's got so many swirling aspects to it. Well, like what... you know, with a little bit of marijuana, you might get something like Dark Side of the Moon. Otherwise, you get like One Direction. Mm-hmm. Just going to put that out there. So uh... large, large groups of college students during this time, would fly into O'Hare International Airport from the East Coast, then rent cars for the trip into Indiana, where there would be tent cities that would spring up as centers for the marijuana harvest. Jeez. So this was like a, a, like a cultural awareness, like, oh yeah, it's time for to reap the harvest. And plus you get tourism money out of it, too. It's win-win. <clears throat> so, uh, quote... The hemp or wild marijuana is such a resilient weed, said former Indiana State Trooper Bob Miller. If there was ever a state trooper name, it's Bob Miller. Bob Miller takes no guff. I was born with a sidearm and a badge. My mustache is bold and impactful, Bob Miller. The birds were eating the seeds and spreading it all over the county. It is very tough to kill, and the seeds can lay dormant for years and then sprout up. So try eradicating that shit. Not gonna happen. Quote, It's amazing how much marijuana is growing down there, said Captain Phil Trent, a South Bend police spokesman. It's like you're in Columbia when you're down there. (laughs) Oh, so this guy's got some experience in South American drug trafficking. (laughs) nothing about my knowledge to this day of Northwest Indiana would make it sound like it's that 
exotic. Are there hidden cocoa fields? Yeah, who knows? Uh, wow. <laughs> so, the ditchweed, because it tends to grow along the irrigation of the ditches, has a very low level of the psychoactive chemical THC compared to the cultivated marijuana. But some dealers have combined it and cut more potential, or sorry, more potent marijuana to increase the profit margins, a state police official said. Mm. So, it is. It's. It's. It was basically put there for rope, so it wasn't really great cannabis for recreational use. Yeah. Yeah. But it definitely. You know, if 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 you if you have like a an ounce of really really good pot. You could cut it with this not so great ditchweed, and then you've got a lot more pot to sell. Yeah, it's some like only the female strands produce the chemical. Possibly everything else is just hemp, which is useful in its own right. Sure, but I mean, yeah. So the the they're, you know, it is technically still uh, it does contain THC, just less of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, police and local officials they took measures over the years to get rid of the so-called ditch weed that sometimes would grow as high as 10 feet tall. Hell yeah. I personally spoke with a DNR detective at the office today, and he said, I've seen it reach at least 10 feet, sometimes producing buds. It's pretty terrible if you're trying to get high, but it's out there. This is one straight-talking DNR officer. I mean, hey, you know, if it's if, if if you just come upon it, and you know, I, I guess there's worse things you could do. <laughs> but I'm just ten foot tall buds like or, or plants with buds hanging off of it. Uh-huh. That's just blowing my mind. Yeah, and completely on its own too. Like that just shows you the resilience of this thing. It's oh yeah, yeah it's uh. It's definitely hard to get rid of. Like, it's reminding me of, like, the plants in Little Shop of Horrors, where it just, like, overtakes the entire house. That, <laughs> Smoke to me, me, Seymour! Smoke me! I want to get you blazed! Like, that's the image, I think, that all these conservatives in power in Indiana's legislature think marijuana is. <laughs> so, in 1989, with the ramp-up in the so-called War on Drugs that Ronald Reagan had started. Mm -hmm. The Chicago Tribune announced an aggressive plan to eradicate the plentiful pot. Quote, The days of a bunch of guys having a few drinks in a saloon in Illinois or Michigan and deciding to come to Indiana to pick some marijuana are over, added Trooper Michael Gayer, a member of the eradication team. (gasps) Wait, hold up. What's his last name? Gayer. Yay! Continue. (laughs) Quote, there's no doubt the program is working after five years of spraying, cutting, and concentrated police effort, said Indiana State Police Sergeant James Wallace, who is in charge of the eradication project in the major major marijuana growing counties of Lake, Porter, LaPorte, Newton, Jasper, Stark, and Pulaski. So they're not, (laughs) it's in that many counties, I think you're going to have a fucking hard time getting rid of it. Yeah, that's almost like an eighth of the whole state. (laughs) <laughs> All right, we, we've we got this well at hand. It's only in nine counties. <laughs> I grew up in Porter County, too. I never saw any marijuana growing. 
Well, were you out in the, the wildlife areas, like hunting or... Hell no, I was in my house playing video games. Like you do. Little did you know that if you actually went out and got some fresh air, you could have gotten a lot of free pot. I got robbed. <laughs> it wasn't until 1984 when state police joined with Indiana farmers that a comprehensive program to destroy the weeds was begun. At the same time, police utilized an aerial surveillance plan to pinpoint the spreading menace. So they were now throwing so much money to try and get this at hand that we have aerial photography trying to map out where it is most prevalent. Jesus Christ, they had drones? Well, no, back then that would be like airplanes and helicopters. Sure. Like this was a, it's like, it does sound like a South American like cartel surveillance. Like, there's some, you know, like, drug lord enemy, but this is just weed growing on its own. <laughs> that I was see. put there by the government! <laughs> All these illicit clover gotta go, son. We don't need any extra hooligans running around with luck. So this time in the late 80s into the 90s was the most uh, concentrated police effort to get rid of this program. As to get rid of this problem. Uh-huh. In 1991... There were 161 illegal picking arrests just in Newton County alone. Wow. Like, what I love is that we know it's not high-quality pot. We're trying to get rid of it, but we're still giving people a hard time for harvesting it. Uh-huh. Hold up. Couldn't they just say that it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not collecting this. I'm just uh, clipping it. To put in storage to throw it away later, officer. <laughs> so in the first year of eradication program in 1984, 4.3 million, million plants were destroyed statewide. And that was more than the previous 10 years combined. That's a lot. Okay, 4.3 million plants. That's a lot of fucking doing. That's all of the rope. And textiles and clothing he could have made from it. What a waste. By the summer of 1992, the Army Corps of Engineers and the National Guard teamed up to kill 10 million hemp plants just in Newton County. Oh my god. So now, the local law enforcement is working with the Army Corps of Engineers and the National Guard. These guys are so bored. To get rid of some shitty weed. How bored were these people? <laughs> 91, that's what, like the Gulf War going on? Yeah. It's like, oh, you served in Desert Storm, you liberated Kuwait, that's pretty rough. I set fire to some really bad weed. <laughs> it made me a little lightheaded. I was kind of hungry. Oh, you took some shrapnel from an Iraqi insurgent? Well, I still hear the sizzle of that pot. Every night in my nightmares. The sound of Fish's 16-minute guitar solo echoing in my ears. <laughs> the horror. So, with all that uh, military and local law enforcement might, you probably think that they were on track to get rid of the problem, right? Sure. They throw that much time and money at it, it must have had an impact. Matt, would you believe if I told you that the government didn't have a good plan about what they were doing? No! Because it didn't work at all. <laughs> Today, 
would-be harvesters continue to find their way into the patches of wild cannabis, and authorities have largely backed away from seeking and destroying ditchweed, partly because of the funding cuts. Gee, like, if I was a ta- you know a taxpayer at this time, I would definitely be like, hey, can you maybe put some of this money into inner city, you know, or or, or rehabilitation or some kind of. Uh, I don't know, a program that helps people get a leg up for college instead of attacking useless pot. Yep. Priorities, you know. So, yeah, uh, they they stopped pretty much the eradication because of the, uh, the funding cuts and because they decided to focus on more sinister drugs. Well, yeah, I'd definitely say there's, def- there's more sinister drugs that you could focus on. Uh, yeah. We could probably do a whole episode on, like, how pot was scheduled as, like, a class one drug, along with, like, <laughs> cocaine and heroin. But law enforcement also kind of gave up, because getting rid of the plants was seen as a nearly impossible task. <laughs> so, that detective that I spoke with today, he stated, we used to get funds to get rid of that stuff, but not anymore. Did he sound sad? <laughs> was it like a fun outing to go out with the boys and whack some weed? Oh yeah, I mean in terms of like things to do, I guess, you know, that's a way to make overtime. It's basically like sending your police officers and military out to go garden. <laughs> All right, boys. Some of you have not dealt with shears and clippers before. Now, this is definitely going to be a, a, a crash course, so learn your utilities, get your floppy hats out, and let's go get them. This is a tool, not a toy. Shears <laughs> facing out! Uh, so, a South Bend police spokesman said that local police sometimes still field occasional calls about the wild marijuana and people who illicitly try to harvest it, but really only when there's a trespassing complaint. And in some cases, trespassers have been found with garbage bags full of ditchweed. Oh my god. So, whenever you find these hot spots, there's, you know, you can load up, like, sacks of it. So it might not be very good pot, but you can carry literal trash bags of it out. Yeah, then it starts to become, like, how much effort is it for something free? Yeah, it's like, um, you know what this reminds me of is there's one day a year where every 7-Eleven says you can get one free Slurpee. Mm, yeah. And the Slurpee they give you is about the size of a Dixie cup. Uh-huh. It's like a shot glass of Slurpee. And whenever you go there that day, the line is always going outside of the fucking building. And you think, well, I could get my free little whiff of Slurpee. Or I can just come tomorrow and pay for better Slurpee and be much happier. My quality Slurpee. So, it's like, how much is your time and effort worth? But you could get some, a whole lot of cheap meds. Now, I do understand them talking about the college kids coming because, you know, whenever you're in college... Oh, you're broke. You're broke, and you're not looking at that dime bag of pot and going... Well, you know, this isn't what they're smoking in Milan. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, and you know, and if they legal, that's one reason to legalize it. Because I can guarantee you, 
if they legalized recreational marijuana in Indiana, there would be enough broke-ass college kids, they would go rip every stick and stem of this out of the public areas. Totally! Put the kids to work, son. It, it is like, it's it's like apple picking, but I don't know, if they <laughs> want to get rid of it, hell, they, they could do that. Like you said. So... In Newton County, Willow Slough Public Fish and Wildlife Area. Have you heard of that? I haven't. Okay. It's one of the bigger fish and wildlife areas that is state-owned public land. People come there to hunt and do all kinds of stuff, camp. So the Willow Slough uh, Public Fish and Wildlife Area was routinely stripped and had areas burned and harassed for that wild marijuana Though it's never going to be fully eradicated because, again, those seeds lay dormant for around seven years sometimes. So you might think you got it all. (laughs) And then seven years later comes the revenge of the ganja. Hi, it's me, nature. (laughs) Why won't you die? uh, Mike Schoonveld. That's a last name. Yeah, there's there's one for the books. Mike Schoonveld was the assistant manager of the Willow Slough property, and he says, The only way that we could totally eradicate the problem is to kill every single plant every single year for ten straight years. If that was even possible, can you think of the amount of funding that would require? Yeah. And, like, I don't know, think of the animals that love to, I don't know, nibble on your your weed plants. There's something to be said about, like, the natural ecosystem of different plants attracting different wildlife. I talked to a biologist at the DNR today, and he said that Mr. Schoonveld is no longer a property manager, that he's a charter boat captain. Which, I like to think that he was haunted by the cannabis (gasps) and just had to walk away. I think so. I think he got into a, a better career path. It's certainly a booming economy for charter boats right now. I just imagine Mr. Schoonveld in the the early 90s just waking up in cold sweats. Ah, The pot! Ah. You see little leaves sprouting out from underneath your bed and overtaking you. Just him looking out the, the window and his wife, Honey, come back to bed. No. It's out there, honey. It's always out there. It and wants me to be burn it. it and then inhale it and then feel a little lightheaded, but not anything super affecting. A field of dreams moment, just him sitting out there, just a voice. If you smoke it, they will come. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm hearing voices. I got to go be a fucking charter boat captain. Later. <laughs> so this is the last quote that I'm going to leave you with. Uh, So this is from Captain David Burston, an Indiana State Police spokesman. So this is a police captain. That's pretty high up there. Yeah. He says, quote, You can eradicate ditchweed as well as you can eradicate dandelions. (laughs) That is such a perfect summary of it. So my sources for this were Newsbug, Northwest Indiana Times, the South Bend Tribune, and the Chicago Tribune. Wow. I had I had no idea about this. I would have said you had made that whole thing up. Yeah, that's why I felt like I've got to do it for this, this podcast, because this sounds... 
it, 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 it just sounds like an urban legend. Yeah, in such a puritanical state that it would have this ongoing marijuana problem. Quote. That was started from the government. Yeah. I, want, I can't stress that enough. Oh my the God. Indiana state government, trying to whip the Nazis, <laughs> took train carloads of pot plant seeds and put them in what would become public park areas. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, you know, it, it reminded me of uh, way back, Indiana was trying to come up with a new state motto. I think they settled on uh, gentlemen start your engines for the Indy 500. But I think for a while it used to be there's more than corn in Indiana. And how true oh, yeah. that is. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, more than any pot I've ever ingested, this story fried my brain. <laughs> Rimshot. Uh so, any passing uh, parting thoughts about this story before we wrap it up in a nice little tightly packed, so to speak, button? Lick the end of it and tap it down. Uh, you know, we we covered it pretty well. Um, I don't know how Indiana got to be so conservative. Indiana's got a lot of really messed up state history. Uh, so, I'm glad we covered something that's relatively amusing today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't cover like it being one of the the main headquarters of the KKK or anything like that, mm-hmm. which <clears throat> yeah. And but... we were a union state. It makes no sense. But this was just like a perfect gift from the comedy history gods mm-hmm. just laying it out there. And yeah. yeah, again, if they want to get rid of this problem, just legalize it for a week yep. every year. Yep. And Make it a little just, purge. Yeah, and just treat it like you're going to, you know, pick out pumpkins at a pumpkin patch or whatever. Just give everyone a bushel and a floppy hat. It'll be like uh, hunting season. Make them sign up for a license or whatever. Generate a little revenue off of that. And you know what? What better way to bring liberals and conservatives together than to have the same public land shared by hunters and pot pickers for a week? Damn, dude, you should run for public office. Enough, bro. I've been so fucking good at it. (laughs) Anyway, that was the Indiana Pot War. I've been your host, Casey Ellis. Uh, Matt Keeley. Um, If you like what we're doing with the show, please give us a, a rating, a subscription, write a little review. We love all that. But, uh... Yeah, we're going to try and hopefully do another one of these uh, for Halloween, so stay tuned for that. We'll figure out something spooky for you. It's the best time of the year. And, you know, if you're going to be a green thumb, you might as well go for the real green. Ganja babe, my sweet ganja babe. I love the way you love me and the way you misbehave. (laughs) Uh, Have a good night, everybody. Thank you. Hey, hey, friends, this is your co-host, Matt Keeley, and uh, before we go, we just had to close with this final thought. So after this episode recording, we decided to put our money where our mouth is and do the actual legwork and strapped on our hiking boots to take a research trip to one of the locations that's uh, mentioned in this episode. We drove out about 40 minutes, and we started hiking, and, uh, you know, you think... 
that uh, it might be kind of difficult to find, but it, it really wasn't. The, the plant definitely sticks out like a sore thumb amongst the other uh, undergrowth. And it's out there, man. It is uh, It's pretty tall. It's, uh, it's very leafy. Uh, we recognized what it was from tens of feet away. So it kind of blew our minds. It was, uh, we didn't do anything with the plants naturally. Of course, that would be illegal. We just observed their habitat, and let's just say that uh, it's doing pretty well for itself. So just a little update to kind of put a button on this episode. We saw it with our own eyes. <laughs>